So this week, we're going to sidestep from Philippians just a little bit, and we're going to talk about something that I feel God has just been speaking to me about, and and I I guess I want to just kind of relay that to you as well. And some people have said that it takes about 10,000 hours of practice to become good at something. Whether or not it takes that long could be debated, and everyone has their opinions on everything these days, right? But the principle is that it will take a lot of practice to grow and excel in something that you want to do. It could be anything that you desire to do. Singing, playing a sport, fixing cars, knitting, whatever it is that your heart might desire, it practice makes perfect, or at least makes better. Um, in a similar vein, people say that it takes... 21 days of doing the same thing over and over again until a habit forms, right? Like, if you want to really be diligent about doing something and incorporating that into your life, it's going to take that process of making it a habit. And again, the idea is that effort and repetition are required to have something become more natural to our lives. Now, we all may have some natural abilities or giftings But those giftings and abilities may shrivel up and all but die if we don't put in some time and effort. Now, personally, when I was six years old, my parents, we bought an upright piano. Well, we didn't. They did. Um, I was six. Um, But they bought it for our home, and as part of that, we received six weeks of piano lessons free. Free. Um, That someone could use. Well, my mom already played the piano, and I'm the oldest, and so I had a three-year-old sister and a uh, you know, couple-month-old brother. They weren't going to take piano lessons, so I was the nominee. Okay, And I don't remember much about those lessons, except that we were given the music book for the Muppet movie. I mean, who doesn't want to be able to play songs from the Muppet movie, right? And I'm not sure why, but after, or because after the six weeks of lessons, I surely couldn't play very much from those books. But I could sit at the piano and plunk out a few notes. It most likely was not very much music to my family's ears at that point after just six weeks. But then when I was eight, we moved to a small town in Minnesota, and my parents started me on piano lessons with the local teacher. And she was an elderly woman who had been giving lessons in town for years and years and years. And I remember that she began to instill in me the need to practice. There were a couple of reasons why. One was that she would grade you on your lesson each week. So she would give you the assignment, and then you had to practice those uh, scales and fingering techniques and those songs for the following week. And then she would grade you on a scale of 1 to 10. Obviously, 10 was what you desired, um, but it didn't always happen. And I remember going through... Some of those times, and I would be working hard on something and taking a lot of time to practice those things, much to my parents' chagrin and maybe pain to their ears at that point. Who knows? Um, And I would go into a lesson and come out with a four. And I was just devastated. Like, you know, I'm sure as a nine, ten-year-old boy, I went home and cried. Mom, I just can't do this. Why? You know, as, as the trauma of a nine-year-old boy would be, right? Now, I also did get nines and tens, um, and so that was always satisfying. Um, but there, it was just something that was hard to achieve, and so it took time and practice and effort. And 
After four years of lessons with her, we moved again. But I know that I had grown over that time, and now I had that desire to practice and become better. And while I didn't have much in the way of formal lessons after that time, there were different people who would instill uh, different things in me as far as being part of uh, worship and, and playing the piano in that realm and learning how to not play with sheet music in front of me, but with now maybe just the chords. Like, here's the general idea of what you want to play during this time. After years of playing and practice, I would in no way say that I am uh, a virtuoso or an excellent piano player. But I do feel like through that time and effort, I'm a good, solid piano player. Now, the reason I mention all this is that Scripture encourages us over and over again to keep working at our spiritual lives. Like, we can't just sit back and rest in what we have. We should always be trying to work and and become more and more like Christ. So we're going to take a look at a Scripture section that emphasizes that for us once again. So take your Bibles and your Bible apps and go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And last week, as we looked at Paul's letter to the Philippians, Pastor Mark showed that we need to work with utter seriousness to show the results of your salvation. And today we're going to look at basically a similar message from the Apostle Peter. He's just going to take it and tackle it from a different way. All right, so 2 Peter chapter 1. Everyone there? All right, 2 Peter chapter 1 starts, and it says, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What great truth we have in this scripture, right? I love how Peter packs a lot into the beginning of this letter to us as believers. And this morning, I want us to focus on three things that Peter is pointing out. So I'll give the highlights to you right away, and then we're going to dig into each one for just a little bit. First, we have a reminder of the work God has done. Second, we then see the reality of the work that we need to do 
And lastly, we can view the result of diligent work. So let's look at first, uh, let's look first at Peter's reminder to all believers of the work that God has done and continues to do on our behalf. In these opening four verses, Peter is going to remind his readers and all believers of the blessings that God has already given. Right off the bat, the first thing that Peter addresses in verse 1 is that we are those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He declares at the very beginning of this letter that all believers have been given faith. We've been given by God a faith which is the very foundation of our relationship with him, right? Through this faith, we can call upon God, we can relate to him, and we can walk and abide with him. And there are so many more things as well. And it's vitally important to know that this faith is a gift from God. We don't earn it, we don't merit it, we don't get it in anything that we can do in any way. Peter also describes this faith as being of equal standing with ours. There was a little bit of a belief that there were maybe some versions of faith or some levels of faith, and Peter is setting this straight right off the bat. He says that we all have a precious faith, that the same faith that Peter has and that he was given as an apostle, we have as fellow believers. Like, it's all the same. Peter wants to make sure that we all understand there's not a hierarchy, there's not a caste system in the kingdom of God. He may have been an apostle, and he had walked with Jesus while he was on earth, but his gift of faith was neither greater nor lesser than the gift that you and I receive. We all have the same faith, and this faith has some precious effects for my life, and for your life, and for the believer on another continent. There is no favor or bias in the way that God gives out his faith. Kind of like Oprah Winfrey does. Like, you get faith. You get faith. You get faith. That's how God is. He gives every single one of us faith in equal measure to start our walk with him because he's drawing us to him. And so we all get that equal faith. And the new believer is united to Christ through faith in the very same way that a seasoned believer is. And this faith purifies the heart of every single person who calls on Jesus. Like, that faith does the salvation work in us. We don't have to do anything on our own, and it's for every single one of us. Peter then goes on in verse 2 to show that grace and peace not only have been given to the believer, but it can also be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Again, as believers... We have been given God's grace and his precious peace. Yet his grace and peace are not a one-time endowment to us. We don't just get it and that's all that we're ever going to get. It is limitless. It is boundless. It just continues to flow, flow over us as we allow him to. And the reality is we could be satisfied with just sit, getting our feet wet. Like, I'm just going to dabble my toes a little bit in God's grace and peace. We could do that, but Peter is saying and praying for the believers that these precious gifts would be multiplied to them, that they would abound and overflow in their lives. And he hopes that they, and you and I, would not be satisfied with just that ankle-deep wading into the water, into the pool of God's grace and peace. But instead, we would keep on wading into the deeper and more refreshing parts uh, of the pool where we can be fully immersed in his gifts for us. 
And this really only comes through an experiential knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Right? Like, we're only going to experience that grace and peace to the extent that we are desiring it and we're allowing him to work in us. And he reveals that to us through his word, through time and prayer and meditation, through just sitting in silence before him and reflecting on him. And if that were not enough, Peter then proceeds to remind us of some even meatier things. Verse 3 tells us that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The divine power of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, has given us and continues to give us all that we need for life and godliness. John 10.10 says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like Jesus wants to just fully pour out all the things that we could ever need to grow in him, to become more like him, to just have that abundant life. And, and he just freely gives that to us. He bestows on us all that is necessary for preserving and improving this life of grace and peace that we have obtained. More than we can ever imagine or comprehend, Jesus wants us to thrive in that life that he has already given us. He wants us to not just take it and say, okay, I'm good, but that we would walk with it and just allow that to come into us. He wants us to excel in the life of godliness of walking with him. So he gives us grace and peace, strength and comfort, joy and goodness. And the list goes on and on and on of all the things that he wants to just give us day by day so that we can meet the challenges of the day. And this again comes through knowing him by that experiential ongoing life with him. And then next Peter reminds us in verse 4 that through God's precious and very great promises, we may become partakers of the divine nature. How cool is that? Like we get to participate and partake in that divine nature. And Peter mentions this and he equates it to the new life that we have in Christ. And because of God's promises and because of the faith that we have received from God, we can now partake of this new life, this new nature, right? We can participate in the new life that God offers us. And in Ephesians 4.24, Paul says to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So as we put on the new self and partake of this divine nature, our minds and our hearts become renewed. Little by little, day by day, as we walk with him, there's going to be changes that are happening. Like our way of thinking changes and we become partakers more and more of that divine nature. And we begin to pattern our lives after God's holiness and righteousness. The Holy Spirit guides us so that our hearts are set toward God and following and serving him. Because the end of verse 4 reminds us also that because of all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we have escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So as we partake of his divine nature, we're putting on the new self, And if you're putting that on, you need to start taking off the old self, right? So we begin to escape from the corruption of our old ways and our old thinking. We've been brought from the death that follows this way, the ways of the world, to the life that we have in Christ. And as we follow the Holy Spirit to work in us, as we keep participating in this new life, we are freed from the shackles of death and corruption in in which we once lived. 
we have escaped the clutches of destruction that followed our former sin-filled ways. So Peter stuffs a lot of these reminders in these opening verses. Again, we've been given faith by God, and it's the same for every single believer. We've been given grace and peace as well, and those can be multiplied and constantly flow in our lives. We've been given all things we need for life and godliness. We get to partake in the divine nature that God has for us, and we have escaped the corruption of the world. And all of these things are ongoing for us as the believer. As we continue to walk with him, all of these things are flowing in our lives and they are continuing to be bestowed on us by God. Praise God for these incredible blessings, amen? Like, those are some awesome things right there. But Peter says that even though we have these wonderful blessings, he says that we have some work that we need to do. And so he goes on in these next verses And in verse 5, he writes, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Notice that. Supplement your faith. Now, for me, I read this phrase, make every effort to supplement your faith, and I thought of vitamin supplements. I mean, who doesn't read scripture and think of vitamins? Right? That's everyone's logical thing. Of course. So in our house, we encourage everyone to take their daily vitamins. I don't know about your house and what you do, but we encourage, like, did you take your vitamins? So, you know, especially in this era, vitamin C. Let's get some extra vitamin C. Um, The ladies take the women's daily supplement. The guys, we take our daily multivitamin. And then... When my wife heard, as COVID was breaking out, you know, some extra vitamin D would be helpful, we had to start passing out vitamin D at supper time. And in our house, it became the running joke, like, oh, who's passing out the drugs today? You know, you know, so we've got our, we've got all of our pills that we take so that we can supplement our lives. Now, I would say we are relatively healthy. You know, we don't have these chronic diseases or anything like that, and and we're very grateful for that. But we also know that sometimes our diets may not be all that we need them to be, so we're going to supplement with uh, these vitamins. So we then have our daily regimen, most of them in the morning, and then we pass out the drugs at night. Okay? Yes. And I realize as I'm saying that that this is being recorded, so that's even better. Um, So... Just know the drugs equal vitamin D. Okay, so. So yes. So just as we try to supplement our diet for our physical well-being, on the spiritual side, we need to do the same thing. We need to supplement our faith and our spiritual health. Like Pastor Mark said last week, living a life worthy of the gospel takes hard work. Growth is not automatic, but it is necessary. And here, Peter is saying essentially the same thing. He's just tackling it from a different angle. So he encourages the believers to supplement their faith, to take the foundation of their faith and begin to add on the seven things that he lists here. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are the things that Peter, prompted by the Spirit of God, thought that we needed to have in our minds and that we should learn. And so make them like spiritual vitamin supplements 
and add them to the faith that you've received. And as you add them into your life and practice them more and more, you will begin to notice the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Like, as you start to participate in these things, you're going to notice the Holy Spirit is doing some work in you and transforming your heart and your mind. So don't be satisfied with a weak and anemic faith because we've not yet arrived. Rather, supplement that faith with these things. And you will notice a boost in your spiritual life. So, what does Peter say are some good supplements? First, add to your faith virtue. Now, some will translate virtue as goodness or excellence or moral excellence. And I think Peter is saying, essentially, we should supplement our faith by doing what is good. In a sense, that's not too complicated, but we can take our daily dose of virtue. And we begin to exhibit a high or a life of high moral standards. And those moral standards are based on the unfailing truth of God's word. Like, if we want to know what is good, we can come to his scripture and begin to learn those things. Okay? The next thing that he says is to add in some knowledge. So take some time to keep knowing God. To know the one who gave you faith by spending time with him. And you grow through that, again, through that experiential time in practical, moral, godly wisdom. Make the effort to know the right way to live in an everyday fashion. And this goes hand in hand with the virtue supplement. Like, we're going to act in ways that are good by knowing ways that are good. And so they, 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 a lot of these things are going to dovetail in with each other. Because then, adding to our knowledge, we need to bring self-control, and we need to exhibit self-control. In every aspect of our lives, we begin to control our passions, our desires, our urges, rather than being controlled by them. Like, think about that for a second. We are now going to take control of those things rather than be controlled by them. And as the Holy Spirit allows it or helps us to do that, we begin to exhibit self-control. I no longer want to just run away with that. I'm going to control that. And if there is anything good in that, let's use it in that direction. But if there is nothing good in that, then because I'm now adding in virtue and knowledge, I'm going to avoid that and I'm going to do what is good. So rather than just running away with those things and indulging in those crazy excessive ways, we are now going to control those urges and desires. So let's now add in the supplement of steadfastness. Now this is probably a word that we don't use a whole lot, but steadfastness represents the idea of never giving up. Never saying, I'm done, I don't want to deal with this anymore, I'm out. Like we continue even in the face of hardships and trials, in the face of persecution and evil, we resolve to stand strong and not give up. Why? Because we trust in God and we continue to hope in his precious and very great promises that he has already given to us. And through that, we can patiently endure and be steadfast because we remind ourselves of the blessings noted in the first four verses and throughout all of scripture which he has poured out on us. And because of that knowledge, because of those precious promises, we can say, okay, what I'm going through right now stinks, but I'm not giving up. 
because I know, God, that you are faithful, that you are true, and that he is the ultimate example of steadfastness. He never wavers. And so when we have that knowledge and that assurance, we can say, all right, God, I'm not giving up either because I trust in you and I don't understand what's going on right now, but I'm going to trust in you and just see that you're going to walk me through this. All right. The fifth supplement that Peter notes is godliness. And with godliness, we show a desire to follow God and adhere to his ways. A lot like virtue, we respect his will and his best way for living our lives. We allow his principles to influence our thinking and our behavior in ever-increasing ways. Again, it's vir- you know we have our faith, and then we're adding on virtue and uh, knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness. And all of these things are intertwining together. Then we come to brotherly affection. Now take a moment to look around the sanctuary at others who are here. Just take a look. Guess what? And if you are participating online, you might want to look at the person next to you. But look at your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Each one of you has the same foundation of faith. Each one of you has come to Christ. And as fellow children of the King, we are to love each other and bear each other's burdens. Right? Like, we can look at each other and we can say, I've got a common bond with you, and we're going to walk through this together. I'm going to love you because of the love that Christ has in me and for me. And we supplement our faith in this by working to guard the unity that we have in Christ. Like, we work so hard through this brotherly affection that we're going to do whatever it takes to stay unified and together, that we're going to stand strong together. And we will encourage each other, we will help each other, we will accept each other because of the common faith, the common grace, the common peace, and all the more common blessings that we have in Christ. And so we work together for that. And then as we come to the final supplement Peter recommends, we see love. And just as God has shown his love to us by sending his son and by continually blessing us, we are able to demonstrate love in a similar fashion. Scripture says that God is love. And we are to follow his pattern by being love in the world around us. That we will exhibit love in tangible ways. And with this supplement, we love God, and in turn, we love others. Sometimes we will exhibit sacrificial actions to promote their highest good. Like that person that we see, we might do some things maybe even uncharacteristic of us because we are compelled by love to love that person and to see them and their good happen. And so we love because he first loved us. And again, Peter notes these things in order to encourage all believers to keep growing in the faith. His desire and prayer for us is that we would have a well-rounded spiritual life in Christ. That we would be fully fortified with spiritual vitamins and supplements. Again, remember, I think supplements. That we would be growing and healthy instead of weak and atrophied. And this is all possible because of the all things, in verse 3, that he has given us for having life and godliness. And while we may be overwhelmed with the thought of taking seven new spiritual supplements uh, with God's help, 
we can begin to add them in one by one. Like, taking seven at once is probably not healthy in the sense of, like, if you're trying to swallow down seven things at once, not a good idea. But God is going to, by his spirit, impress upon you things to work on. You know, even as we've gone through this list, you might be like, yeah, um, I probably need to exhibit some more self-control. Or I need to operate in godliness a little bit better. Who knows what God might be speaking to you. And each of us, although we have the same foundation of faith, we're all at different points in our journey. And God is going to deal with us in different ways, right? So after reminding us of the work that God has done and detailing the reality of the work that we need to do, Peter wants to point out the result of our diligent work. Because who doesn't want to know the results? Right? We, we want to know why we're doing things. You know, if, if the vitamins that I take are not going to do anything for me, why am I doing it? And, and so we, in a similar way, he doesn't just list these supplements for us, but he wants to give us the results, like a good spiritual nutritionist. Okay, we're going to keep that theme going along here. Like a good spiritual nutritionist, he wants to explain the results of why we're doing and what we will experience after adding in these supplements. So look at verse 8 again. After listing these supplements, he writes, for. Now, when I read the word for, a lot of times I like to think that it signifies here's why. So after listing all of those supplements, he says for, or here's why, If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, here's why, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For, here's why, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For, again, here's why, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One result that we see here from adding in these spiritual supplements is that we will have a thriving life. Peter is emphasizing this over and over. If you walk in these things, you will have a thriving life, the life that Christ wants to give you abundantly. And it will keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful And so when we add in these supplements like self-control or steadfastness or godliness, we experience the power of Christ at work in us. His ways are becoming our ways, and we are shifting from the corruption of the world to the life and the divine nature that he already has given us. We grow and thrive because we see firsthand the truth of his word coming to pass. We see his promises being fulfilled. We see our lives being transformed by the work of the Spirit. And that old, crotchety, easily offended person that I was has been replaced with a joy-filled, loving person now. And I'm not even now what I will be in the future as I continue to walk with him and see what he will do in me. And we are becoming fruitful because people around us are noticing and beginning to want what we have right? They're seeing that there is something different, and as we walk in these things, people are going to notice. So we now become effective in walking with Christ. 
We are fruitful in works of righteousness and holiness, and we bring glory to God through the way that we conduct ourselves. A second result we can be assured of is that we will never fall. When we add in these supplements, we know that they are doing our spirit good. Who remembers the 80s and the 90s, the ad campaign? Some of you may already know where I'm going. Milk, it does a body good. Pass it on. Right? So just in that same way, these spiritual supplements, and they work, they do our spirit and our relationship with Christ good. They do not earn us salvation, but they do contribute and add our growth in Christ's likeness. And as such, we will be spared from disastrous spiritual ailments. It doesn't mean that we will never have an issue, but it will not tear us apart. Because, again, as we are steadfast and godly and have self-control, we say, I'm going to trust you, God, even though it feels like my life is crumbling all around me. And if I didn't have you, I don't know where I would be. And so, because we are adding virtue and steadfastness and brotherly kindness and love to our faith in Christ, our spiritual nature is being fortified. Just like your milk was fortified and it helped you then, all of these things are helping to, to fortify our spiritual nature. And with it being fortified, we will not fall. And lastly, we look forward to entering into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of us are saying, come now, Lord, please. Right? But as we walk in these things, and as diligent followers of Christ who add these supplements to our spiritual life, who endeavor to walk in the godliness and the abundant life that God has already provided, we can be assured that we will have an an entrance into the eternal kingdom to come. We have that promise. We can have a blessed and beautiful life in Christ now while on earth, but we will have an even greater entry into eternity. We will have an even greater life in eternity with him when his kingdom is fully established. And that entrance into that kingdom is, as Peter writes, richly provided for you by God's abundant and marvelous grace. That is a beautiful result to look forward to, right? Like, who does not want the kingdom to be fully established right about now? Like, Lord, would you come even now and come quickly? I cannot wait for that day that I will be able to be with you in eternity. And Peter is saying, as we continue to walk in godliness, as we continue to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control steadfastness and to steadfastness godliness and to godliness brotherly affection and to brotherly affection love. As we begin to allow those things to operate in our lives, we're going to be effective, we will never fall, and we're going to have a rich entrance into the kingdom of God when he comes. So, In response to the scripture today, we need to assess where we are in our own spiritual lives. Where where is our spiritual health? Are we incorporating these supplements into our spiritual lives? Are we being active about it? Are we taking those steps to bring in these supplements? Things like virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Are we allowing God to grow these things in us? 
as we spend time with him. And maybe the opposite side of that is, if not, what step do you need to take just to start? Because you want to walk in the life and godliness that he has provided. Over the last several months, there is a, uh, a quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola that, in a sense, has become, I'll say, a life motto because this, this I think, expresses the heart of all of it. And this is where I want to be personally. And it simply says, I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening his life in me. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening his life in me. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all of the abundant blessings that you have given to us. We thank you that you have given us a faith by which we can come to you, by which we can come to know you as our Savior and Lord. Thank you for extending grace and peace to us. And not as a one-time gift that you say, I want you to just have this multiply and grow in your lives. Thank you that you give us all the things that we need for this present life and to have abundant life and walk in godliness. Thank you that you have said that we can be participators in your divine nature, that we can put on a new self and then escape from the corruption of this world. Thank you, Lord, for all of those blessings and so many more. We've just scratched the surface. And so we thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to remember these things and that these things would then propel us to want to just walk with you. Lord, right now I ask that you would be speaking to each of our hearts that you would impress on us those things that we need to hear. And today, you know exactly where you are. You know exactly where you are in your walk with Christ. And perhaps as a sign of commitment or even renewal or rededication, maybe you say, you know what, I need to kind of reset and refocus. And I want to begin to work on these things listed here in Second Peter and, and other things throughout Scripture. Not that you are necessarily going way off the rails, but maybe you just say, I need to turn back just a little bit, and I need to refocus and reset. And maybe you, you even say, you know what, that, that quote from St. Ignatius pretty much sums it up that I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening his life in me. And if that's you this morning, and you just simply by a sign of of humble surrender to say, God, that's me before you, would you just slip up your hand and say, God, I want and I choose what better leads to your deepening your life in me. Thank you.
And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for all those who raise their hands and are, are just resetting this morning. And they're saying, I need to bring in these supplements of, from your word. And I want and I choose what better leads to your deepening your life in me. And I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would just continue to speak to their hearts and minds, continue to direct them in the right path for them in their context, in their situations, and that you would speak your truth into their hearts and lives. Remind them of all of these things that you have already done and remind them even of the results that are to come as they do this hard work because it, it, it can be hard at times. And we just want to surrender to you, Lord. So, Lord, as they do, would you just bless them? Would you just speak your truth, your affirmation, your love into their hearts and minds and just guide them? May they not stray from this, but may they just continue to walk with you in this, whether this is for the very first time or the thousandth time. Lord, we just want to keep serving you and and keep committing our lives to you. So help us in that, we pray. So I thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And I know we say this even about if, if this was our first time. A lot of times, Pastor Mark will say, if that was you this morning, to help seal it in your heart and your mind, would you just say what you've done this morning to someone who knows Jesus? I would encourage you to even do that, whether it's a friend, a spouse, uh, a parent, a child. Just say, you know what? I'm trying to reset, and I want to choose what better leads to God's deepening his life in me. So that can be a way to encourage each other and to affirm each other and to help each other. So I'd encourage you to even do that, even if this was your thousandth time that you've done this. God is good, amen? Amen. Before we go, let me just pray uh, a benediction over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the grace and the peace that God has for you as you, as you head out today. We, we will open up the altars if you want to come up for prayer. Um, if you want me to pray for you, I would be happy to do that. I'll put on my mask and, and we will carry on prayer business. But otherwise, go in the grace of God. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. God bless.